Hello friends, welcome to the Revelation Wellness Podcast. I'm Elisa Keaton and today we have a doctor in the house. Dr. Carol Peters Tankley is with us today. She just likes to go by Dr. Carol, so you and I can call her that. She is going to be talking to us today a lot about our hormones and exercise. Y'all, this is a good one. Brothers listening to this podcast, keep listening because your wives, sisters, women in the workplace are going (laughs) to make more sense after you understand a little bit about what's going on in our bodies through different seasons in life and how our hormones, specific to our reproduction, our ability to reproduce, how they can affect us in positive and not so fun ways. Dr. Carol is a OBGYN and a physician for 29 years. She specializes in reproductive endocrinology, and she's also an ordained doctor of ministry. She's written multiple books. One book that's titled Dr. Carol's Guide to Women's Health is a good one. I actually heard her on a friend of ours podcast, and I thought, you know what? We need to get her on this show, especially right now as we are launching the Get Strong program. We're just into it. Only a few days ago did we start. If you missed it, you can still get it. So swipe up in the show notes because what Dr. Carol says today, pretty much over and over addressing many different issues, some that you personally may be experiencing right now, points back to exercise and the benefits that come with it. So she's gonna help us make sense as to why, what does exercise do? What does moving our bodies do? Does it mean you have to go train for uh, the CrossFit games or do anything extreme? Just move your body. And Dr. Carol is gonna help us today to understand why that matters. She talks about collaborative religious coping. I literally wrote it down. It's that area of study that people who have a faith with God and in God, their health fares better. So we go holistic in this conversation. We're not just talking about our biology, but the theology, what we believe and what we believe about our bodies, especially as they go through different stages of life. I love it. It's a great conversation. You're gonna be greatly blessed. And we're so excited to get strong with you. So if hope that this blesses you, and if you wanna get strong with us in community, swipe up on the show notes and get going with us in this very unique way of strength training. Otherwise, enjoy this podcast. I hope it blesses you and thank you to our donors who make this podcast possible. We could not do it without you. We are grateful. Have a great day, guys. We'll talk again soon. Peace. All right, Revelation Wellness community. Today we have a doctor is in the house. There's a doctor in the house, Dr. Carol. Welcome to the Revelation Wellness podcast. It is a pleasure, Elisa. I'm really honored to be with you. I love the work that you are doing. Thank you for this opportunity. Oh, it's such a get to. And we knew we needed to talk to you because you're a woman who knows the hormone game. So uh, gentlemen, you are welcome to stay in this podcast and listen, probably be really good information for you to understand how your your wives and the sisters and the body of Christ are, are getting along out there. But we needed to help make sense. We need you to come help us make sense of ourselves, our bodies. I love, I think something here at Revelation Wellness is we 
we love scripture, we love theology, but there's also biology to who we are, that we're not just spirits and souls, we have bodies. So when people like you can come and help us make sense of something that might feel unsensible or insensible, that uh, we're very blessed. So first, let's just give the audience a little bit about who you are, where they found you, how you find yourself, where you are today doing what you do. Mm. Thanks. Well, I have been an OBGYN physician for over 30 years. Uh, the first half of my career, I was taking care of women, and I have a subspecialty training in reproductive endocrinology, which means hormones was my thing. Uh, okay. Things like, you know, periods and PMS and menopause and everything, uh, you know, around that fertility, the hormones around pregnancy. So that that was where I where I focused. And then I love, Elisa, how you are combining body, mind and soul about, oh, maybe 15 years ago or so. I also went and got theology training. So I also have a doctor in ministry. And now I spend my time actually working yes. to combine all those things. Yes. And do you think, what do you think you're a bead on or the pulse in the church and the world on these two kind of coming together? Do you feel like it's starting to happen more? Is there still resistance to the church? What are your thoughts? I think there is some resistance. I think it is better than it was. I think yeah. there is more understanding that we are embodied creatures Come on. and yeah. you cannot separate. Um, when I grew up in the church, there mm -hmm. was a certain feeling that, okay, I'm a spirit, I have a soul, I live in a body. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I don't want to say that that's wrong, but mm -hmm. what, missed, what was missed so often was how connected, how integrated all those things are. And uh, your Thessalonian scripture that uh, you mentioned just for a moment before we, we came on air, mm -hmm. how Paul says, I want all of you to mm -hmm. be, he says, sanctified. I believe that's, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we, we could use the word, you know, transformed, made whole, all of us coming together. Yeah. And I think uh, we know intuitively how one of those parts affects the other. If you've got a horrible headache, it's hard to concentrate on prayer. Yeah. If you've had a fight it's with true. your husband, you're going to go to bed with a nut in your stomach. All those parts of yeah. us impact each other. That's so good. All right. So our listeners, they love to learn how things work. We love Jesus. We love the Bible, uh, but we also want to know how do things work? Let's make sense of some of this. So let's start with uh, explain to us hormones. What are they? Mm. Hormones are small little molecules produced by many body tissues that circulate through the blood, go from one place to another. And hormones signal a certain body tissue or many body tissues to do a certain thing. Well, when we're talking in the OBGYN and reproductive endocrinology field that, that I've spent my life in, the hormones in particular talk about reproductive hormones, primarily those that come from the ovary. There are certainly other hormones that different body tissues like the adrenal gland or the thyroid or, or, or so on produce that impact our well-being and impact reproductive function and so on. But in particular, it's what the ovaries do. And mm -hmm. I think every woman who is listening or watching is going to recognize that that impacts her body, mind, and soul. Mm -hmm. That's good. Okay, so you specialize in the reproductive area of hormones, correct? So that's going to have right. some women perking up and listening should they maybe have a hard time getting pregnant or holding pregnancies or uh, in any way uh, that they 
the lady parts down there. So how does exercise affect hormones? How are those two connected? A lot. They uh, Exercise impacts that a lot. And I'm going to address that by different seasons of life. First of all, for the young woman who is a teenager going through puberty, our bodies need a certain amount of fatty tissue for puberty to finish its process. If there is not enough body fat, right. the ovaries will not start going through their monthly cycle, producing estrogen and progesterone and so on. That has become uh, better known than in some areas in the athletic area. In fact, there's a mm -hmm. syndrome that used to be called the athletic triad. Now it's called red S, relative estrogen deficiency related to sport, mm -hmm. uh, excessive ex excessive estrogen exercise mm -hmm. with not enough taking in of nutrition and calories can lead to some really negative things like no periods, like bone deficiency and increased risk of injury with yes. exercise. Yes. Okay. So it's possible to exercise too much and exercise is exercise too little show up in, in the body as well? Absolutely. Exercising too little, especially for young women, can, of course, lead to extra body weight. And mm -hmm. I know you talk about that a lot, but it, but it's more than just body weight. It's the exactly. metabolism. It's the muscle and bone strength and health. And mm -hmm. certainly the relative amount of fatty tissue versus muscle tissue and so on affects hormones, affects reproductive hormones, affects the uh, ability to get pregnant affects the ease of pregnancy, the risk of pregnancy complications. Mm -hmm. Exercise during pregnancy is a very important thing. Mm -hmm. The amount of exercise may need to be moderated. Uh, mm -hmm. Weight bearing exercise may need to may need to cut back a little bit on that. There there can mm -hmm. be an increased risk of certain kinds of injuries during pregnancy. But we know that a woman who was healthy and exercising before pregnancy, if she continues to exercise during pregnancy, her pregnancy and her baby are likely to actually be healthier than if she didn't. So we, we know that's a good thing during pregnancy. Mm. Okay. I want to ask you this question because I remember that was the school of thought when I was pregnant with my first child back in the early 2000s. Yes. Early 2000s, 2000, actually the year 2000. And I've always been an active person for the most part, you know, yeah. sports did all that. And yeah. so my doctor said, you can go ahead and keep, keep doing what you do. Now I had extreme level of fitness because I'm teaching classes. I, I, yeah. I, I was at that level and he said, keep doing it. Uh, I ended up, my son ended up being pretty low weight, uh, very colicky gas reflux. Like I had a lot of issues with yeah. that child. Do you think there was something about me kind of going too high in my extremity of the extremeness of the intensity that I was at? Or what would you say to that? Because now in hindsight, I think I should have taken it a little more easy. I should have maybe moderated my heart rate a little bit more. Just maybe it would have been more nurturing for him. And to be honest, Dr. Carroll, I was in more of an unhealthy mindset trying to get my health of like my body's good, not 
afraid of putting on weight because I'm pregnant or afraid of, you know, that I remember women at the gym saying, Oh, just wait till you have that baby. You're going to have a hard time losing that, that baby weight. It's almost like, you know, they were cursing each other. And so there's a little bit of me trying to prove something. What would you say to that? What kind of advice would you give a woman maybe in that situation? Yeah, I think it's the balance between energy input and energy output. And so if if uh, somebody who is pregnant is cutting down on their nutrition to try and limit how much weight they gain during pregnancy, that is going to predispose to low birth weight for the baby. So mm-hmm. I don't know that it's by itself the amount of exercise. Another thing that may impact pregnancy health is temperature. Body temperature, elevated body temperature mm-hmm. negatively impacts the baby because mm-hmm. the uterus doesn't have the same ability to, uh, you know, sweat or, you know, le- you know, release the body temperature. So mm-hmm. um, a fever or mm-hmm. prolonged increased ener- uh, temperature from exercise mm-hmm. may have an impact on fetal growth. Uh, we, we know quite well that a certain level of weight gain during pregnancy is really important. And if a woman mm-hmm. gains less amount, mm-hmm. less than that amount of weight, um, and she was already at a healthy weight before, mm-hmm. then that predisposes to low birth weight. If a woman is already overweight when she gets pregnant, then she may not need to, quote, need to gain as much weight. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about cortisol, the stress hormone of cortisol and a woman who is, well, let's just talk about a woman who's pregnant and then maybe a woman who is perimenopausal, moving into transitions of life. Sure. Uh, cortisol is necessary. We cannot live without cortisol. And chronic elevated levels of cortisol do all kinds of bad things. Um, oh, tell it, us. It's, it's one thing if you uh, have a shot of cortisol to run away from a bear. Well, we're not running away from bears, right. uh, but we may be watching social media for I mean, long periods of time, or there may be uh, just negative thought patterns. This is one mm. of the ways where body, mind, and soul are so integrated. Mm-hmm. So measuring cortisol at one particular moment probably doesn't give a great answer to what your body is experiencing. But the stress, the long-term stress that elevates cortisol chronically, absolutely Mm -hmm. a negative impact on all kinds of body tissues, makes it harder for a woman to manage her weight, makes uh, the impact on the baby if she is pregnant greater. Mm -hmm. And I do believe, although it's hard to actually put my finger on specific studies, that chronic increased cortisol increases symptoms of PMS, premenstrual Mm -hmm. syndrome, and distress around menopause. And when we're talking Mm -hmm. about exercise and those things, um, it's absolutely true that exercise lessens stress in all kinds of ways, including helping your body metabolize cortisol and all the other things that stress does to your body. We know that women who exercise aerobically regularly have less PMS. In fact, for many women, exercise may be all they need to eliminate PMS. Mm -hmm. And women Mm -hmm. who exercise around menopause have markedly fewer symptoms of menopause that other women may be a lot more distressed by. It doesn't mean you won't have any symptoms, but a whole Mm -hmm. lot less than women who don't exercise. Mm -hmm. 
What do you know about or could share with our listeners about a mother who is living in chronic stress and the I've seen some studies out there that try to point, I know you know where I'm going, where the child will have more uh, health issues or could yes. be altered in some way in their genetic makeup. Do, do you know or want to speak to that in any way? That is not an area of expertise of mine, but I have seen many studies mm -hmm. showing that. We do know that the mental state of women during their pregnancy mm -hmm. um, can be carried over to the child. So if a woman, for example, experiences trauma, um, if she's married and her husband betrays her when she's pregnant, or mm -hmm. um, if she is experiencing domestic violence or moving from one place to another under difficult mm -hmm. circumstances like refugees and whatever, the complications for her child go up. Um, although the studies may not list it out quite clearly, one, two, three, we do know that epigenetics is a factor. Yes. In other words, all the hormones going on in mother's body, those that do cross the placenta, can impact the DNA in that child, not necessarily changing the sequence of the, you know, ABCD, the, but the the proteins that are attached on top of mm -hmm. the genes in our chromosomes. And so that impacts how those genes are expressed. Expressed. And that right. definitely impacts the well-being of that child emotionally, physically, um, stress, their ability to handle stress, their ability to manage their own emotions, their predisposition to anxiety or, or depression, their immune system. So yeah, it's a big deal. Wow. Don't you think it's amazing? Like God's kind of designed our bodies for this flexibility in a way of, even though you might have some predisposition, it doesn't mean that it will have to express that way based yes. on environment, internal, external, but we we do get to co-labor. I, I, I like to think we do get to co-labor with our maker in how we will live this life. And it's kind of a a, a real gift. And sometimes people just want, just tell me what to do. I don't want the choices. It's too stressful enough. But so there's yeah. something to what I hear you saying them to me, I think uh, what I'm hearing you say, is there something to a, a woman who is pregnant in uh, that time of life to kind of caring for the environment of what, of yes. what, yeah. Yes. Yes. And that is holistic. It certainly, like you and I were talking earlier, includes the amount of calories she takes in. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a whole lot more than that. It is mm -hmm. body, mind, and soul. And, mm -hmm. and that gets passed on in ways that medically, I believe we only partially understand. True. I also really appreciate that you talked about our cooperation with God. Mm -hmm. I think that is so key. I believe some people can sit back and pray and, oh, God, why don't you fix me? Um, <laughs> some people try harder and just struggle to do it on their own. God's mm -hmm. ideal is that we cooperate with him. And there's actually a yeah. lot of research, Alyssa, to show that. It's called collaborative religious coping. When what? We... Somebody write that down because I'm going to go look <laughs> it up. Collaborative. Say it again. Religious coping, collaborative religious coping. Okay. When we work together with God, outcomes tend to be better. And yes. this has been studied in a, in a number of different settings, physically, emotionally, through um, disasters. The Oklahoma City bombing a number of years ago was one group of people where this was looked at. Um, 
cancer patients, all kinds of different settings. And to me, that sounds exactly like Philippians. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for God works in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. We work and God works. We work together. It's so good. He is such a a partnering God that he looks for a counterpart. He doesn't need one. He wants one. And the invitation is there. Wow. Whoever has you as a doctor is very blessed. I'm just going to say that right off the bat. Okay. So how do we need to approach exercise or how would you encourage someone to approach exercise for a perimenopausal uh, woman or menopausal woman? Kind of maybe, maybe let's explain those stages, peri, many, and post. Okay. If perimenopause means the season when your ovaries start to change their function up until the last menstrual period, menopause actually means the last menstrual period. And we can't know that in advance. There is no test. No doctor can tell you exactly what month or what year is going to be your last period. It's only retrospective. But that season, your ovaries are going through a lot more dramatic changes in at any other time except uh, during puberty. And during that, what may be two years, it may be 10 years, mm-hmm. the highs are higher and the lows are lower. The estrogen levels at their peak tend to be higher. You ovulate less regularly. Periods tend to become less regular. Some women experience them as heavier. Mm-hmm. And some of the symptoms like more trouble sleeping, uh, brain fog, yeah. Uh, night sweats, hot flashes, all of those things can start during that period of time. Exercise, we know, can lessen those symptoms. It doesn't mean for all women exercise eliminates it, but we absolutely know it lessens the emotional distress, the hot Mm. flashes and night sweats. Mm. And for some women, it uh, exercise eliminates the need for any medical treatment. We know that women statistically tend to have a bit more anxiety and depression with those hormone swings. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. regular exercise is as good as many antidepressants are in managing some of those emotional symptoms. Amazing. Um, Then menopause is the final period. And then postmenopause. Postmenopause means your ovaries are only making about 10% of the estrogen that they used to. They are not ovulating, meaning there's no progesterone around. Mm-hmm. Exercise after menopause makes a huge difference in the risk of a number of medical illnesses that are associated with postmenopause, like osteoporosis, heart mm-hmm. disease, diabetes. Um, exercise makes an enormous difference in those wow. illnesses and in the amount of things like hot flashes and night sweats that, that women experience. Another thing that distresses a lot of women going through menopause is the redistribution of body weight. Yes, uh, let's talk about that. We were we were going there. Around the time of menopause, weight tends to start accumulating in the midsection. Mm-hmm. Now, that tends to actually help in some ways. You can think of um, your body trying to help you with your estrogen because fat cells make a little bit of estrogen. So as your ovaries are not making as much and then pretty much stop after menopause making estrogen, the fat cells in your midsection are making some estrogen. So your body is trying to help a little bit. The only thing, the only thing that lessens fat redistribution is exercise. It doesn't necessarily eliminate it. There will still be a redistribution. Estrogen doesn't eliminate that. Exercise is the only thing that 
does what can be done in lessening that fat redistribution. Okay, I want to understand this again, and maybe I, I love and fascinated by our body design. So you're saying in the belly area, there are estrogen receptors or we're making estrogen there. Explain that again in the belly. Okay, both. Almost all your body tissues have estrogen receptors. Your okay. bones, your muscles, your ligaments, your brain, your blood vessels, and the fat tissue everywhere in particular. Mm. In the belly area, mm -hmm. there is always a bit of fat around your intestines and mm -hmm. underneath the, and on top of the abdominal muscles. Mm -hmm. The percentage of your body fat that is centered in your abdominal area tends to increase mm -hmm. around and after menopause, meaning there are always some fat cells everywhere in every woman's body, every man's right. body too, or we wouldn't, you know, we, we wouldn't survive. But let's just say there were a million fat cells in your body. There's a lot more than that. But let's just mm -hmm. say there's a million fat cells in your body. At 25, the distribution of those fat cells throughout your body is a little more even. After yeah. menopause, more of those million fat cells tend to be accumulated in your midsection. And those fat cells make a little bit of estrogen. Fascinating. Yeah. So what is a woman to do? I mean, you, you say uh, exercise helps. Uh, so that's good. What else would a woman who's saying, my body doesn't feel comfortable to me anymore. I think that just noticing your pants fit differently, clothing yep. fits differently. It's this real kind of transition of, am I going to Am I going to punish my body to try and hold on to something of my youth, which then to me would only cause more stress and feel more damaging to the tissues of our hormones and our body makeup? Or kind of how do we shift into a new state of mind, body, being? Yeah. Thank you for asking that. The view internally about aging makes a big difference on symptoms. Amen. In Amen. certain cultures of the world where aging is viewed as an honor more so than in the standard Western culture, like here in the United States, by and large, women have a lot fewer symptoms of menopause. Now, I'm not saying it's all in your head. I am saying that looking at the post-menopause season as a bad thing it, it's not going to be good for your body, mind, or soul. Amen. Yes. There is something about maturity and a gift that you have as a senior woman that other women, other people, the world needs. That is one benefit of living today because centuries ago, a lot of women didn't survive past menopause. Now, a third of your life may be after menopause, and that may be your most productive years. Mm -hmm. um, this was mm -hmm. not a Christian study, but there have been studies looking at what decade do people produce the most, give the most to the world? Your 60s is number one. Yes. Your 70s is number two. Your 50s is number three. So for a woman who is 50 or over, this can be the best time of your life. Mm -hmm. So befriend your body. Yeah. recognize that the way God designed you for this world is yeah. it is good. Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't mean we have to enjoy the limitations, but we embrace the limitations that God 
built us with and be a friend to your body and so see funny. what may God have you give to others, to the world, yeah. to your husband, to your family, to your job, whatever. What can you make as an offering now? that yeah. you don't have the kind of constraints you may have had if you were raising children. Many women yeah. were raising children, not all in the past. That's there, there's, a, there's a degree of freedom now. Yes. It can be very good. Preach, Dr. Carol. Preach. Yes. I've been trying to say that to some friends. I just became an empty nester two years ago. And after a few days of crying and being sad, I heard the Lord say to me, okay, now, I want you to stop looking at what you're losing and start looking yep. at what you're gaining. And it was a game changer, the amount of yes. time and freedom. And my stress level has got, you know, the only time my stress level goes up is sometimes when I get the phone calls from them, you're just kind of, exp <laughs> there's something about, are you okay? Is everything okay? Okay. And then I don't have to live with the ongoing stress of making dinner for everyone and getting them to all the places and things. So it is, a, it is definitely a gift. I love what you're saying. It absolutely is necessary to reframe how we see aging as a gift, as something to give back to the world. If we have something to give the world, uh, there's a great book called Strength to Strength that talks about, you know that book? Yeah, I do. Yes. It's a fantastic book. I read that and I thought, this is it. I mean, I'm in my yep. 50s right now. So it's time to prepare for your crystallization years. These are your years yep. to crystallize what you've known, leave your legacy, leave your mark and hand it down to the next generation. And I think now more than ever, uh, and I'm, I'm just kind of preaching now that the next generation needs to see the real thing. And I think they want us to not try to look like them, to look like we're 20 or 30. Show me something else and let me see how my body can change, but I can still have joy and abundance and give something back. Absolutely. And I love what you said right there. Um, people don't feel close to somebody who looks perfect. If Come you on. want to make an impact on others, let them see the real you. And it mm. actually draws them closer to you and you can make a bigger impact. Mm. Love it. Love it. Okay. Insulin resistance. We've had questions about that. Could you tell us a little bit about that and how exercise mitigates insulin resistance? Okay. All our bodies make insulin. The only exceptions are severe type 1 diabetics who need insulin, uh, but all the rest of us make insulin. Insulin is made by the pancreas and tells all the cells in your body everywhere when to take in blood sugar, which cells live on. When that isn't happening efficiently, the insulin levels have to get higher and higher and higher for your body cells to get the message. It's mm. like your body cells are getting hearing loss. And the That's insulin good. message isn't getting through. Wow. The problem okay. is that that whole process leads to a lot of uh, risk of illness, diabetes being the most frequent, but it can lead to all other kinds of things, impact on the kidneys, on the eyes, on the blood vessels, risk of heart disease. Mm -hmm. It impacts your metabolism so that managing your weight becomes more difficult. Among the most powerful things you can do on your own to change insulin resistance is exercise. Insulin makes your body cells wake up and listen more clearly mm -hmm. uh, to, to, to the insulin message. 
And one of the ways it does that is by increasing muscle mass and the metabolism in muscles. I'm sure you preach this all the time, Alyssa. Mm -hmm. And when muscles increase their metabolism, it's not only for the 20 minutes or 30 minutes or 60 That's minutes right. that you're exercising or more. It happens for hours, sometimes yes. all, all day. And that mm -hmm. is the best thing you can do to improve insulin resistance. We know people who have actually been diabetic and needing either medication or insulin itself, type two diabetes, mm -hmm. because they are so insulin resistant, who begin a regular exercise program and can either decrease or sometimes eliminate the medications that they're on because of how wonderful that impact of exercise can be. Wow. Such a good reminder of what a gift. If you're gifted with the ability to move, yep. make some space to move. Uh, there's another book I read recently called Exercised. I can't remember who wrote it, but it was interesting to look at the fact we were never meant to be as sedentary as we are. Like we, our bodies were meant to move and be connected to the earth and plant our gardens and walk and get water. Like we were, to, we were yes. mobile throughout our day more. And so now that we sit more, nobody wants to, nobody wants to move the body because it's tired and it's crumpled up into these positions. But God has made it so that when we move, you get this positive return. Yeah. But yet there's so many barriers and I'd love to ask you this question. It's probably you can you can let me know if you don't want me to air it. But what are you feeling about all the um, type two diabetics uh, with the Ozempic, the weight loss semaglutides that are out there now, and also those that are compelled to go on it who maybe just want to lose those extra pounds? Yeah, I'm concerned. Um, it, Ozempic and related medications, it's a fairly new class of medication. So we don't have uh, a long track record of that type of uh, chemical being, being in our bodies. I believe there are some people who need it mm -hmm. and there can be some real benefit. But just like lots of pills, if you look to a pill to fix you, without doing the body, mind, and soul, whole person yes. work that needs to yeah. be done, um, yeah. there, there can be some problems. Using those medications just to lose a few pounds, um, it's not something that I would prescribe in that kind of situation. Mm. Um, mm. We know some side effects. We don't know all the side effects because it's only it hasn't been forever that that medication's mm. been around. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it falls into the category often of give me an instant fix, instant gratification. Yeah, I don't want Carol. to have to learn to take care of my body and steward this temple as yeah. God would, would have me. You know, I'd still like to um, kind of maybe make only 50% of my diet healthy rather than 80 or 90% of my diet yeah. healthy. I don't yeah. want to have to get up and move my body because... I don't want to. I want to. And so yeah. this is just, uh, so that, that, that's my short answer. Yeah, that's a good, I just wanted to get your thoughts and I know it's, you know, it's a little off, off of what maybe people would come to you for, but women and weight loss and, and menopause, yeah. all those things come up where it's like, we just start, we're so focused on the desire to get our body to look the way we think the world wants it to look or calls it to look. I, sh I can imagine if we, 
I feel half of it is the stress that we carry mm-hmm. to be a certain way. And again, as we've said, this just if we chronically live in a state of something's wrong with my body or yeah. things are bad inside of my body, it 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 produces more of that instead of my body is really good place to be. God, come meet with me in this body. So I, I love so, that. Yeah, I am so glad you said that. And we didn't really talk a lot about cortisol and weight gain, mm. but chronic stress excess cortisol chronically definitely adds weight and that impacts sleep, which impacts depression. And it's a vicious cycle that just raises cortisol more. Um, so there, there's that whole thing. And then mm-hmm. you mentioned body shame. Mm-hmm. Uh, God gave you a certain body. And I will Amen. just second something I know you preach Alyssa, it doesn't mean we ignore this, but we befriend and care for our bodies as a temple, not as an idol. This is not an idol, but it is a temple. Yes. And I think a temple, if we can get to that place to say the point of a temple was not to go and do the acts of worship. It was the place where God was. Yes. Like you knew if I go there. I get to the presence of God. And then there were some offerings and things that they did to kind of resemble my my interaction with God, which we no longer need because Jesus is that offering. And now he just says, I want to live with you. Yeah, that's that's what we're on the mission, Carol, for people to really understand that that's the purpose of their body. And then from there, things, good works and choices and uh, living the best life, even into our later years are possible. So yes. that's our hope. Okay. So what do you think is the single most important thing we can do to live healthy and whole? I know that's a big question, but. Yeah. Um, Body, mind, and soul. Physically, and I have told people this for years, if you want to make the best investment with your health care dollars, go buy a good pair of running or walking shoes. There is no better investment for your health care dollar. Two, Choose to tell your mind where to go rather than chasing after every thought and feeling. We have much more ability to direct our mind than almost all of us understand. And three, connect with God. This uh, relationship with God is not about a list of do's and don'ts. It's about being with him. And I love how you talked about that just a minute ago. He wants to be with us. So invest in that. Dr. Carol, we're going to have to make you an honorary fitness teacher, gospel preacher, because you're doing it and you are on the front line and helping so many. So we're so grateful. Okay. Before I let you go, first of all, people, everyone, you can find out more. Uh, just connect with Dr. Carol Moore at drcarolministries.com. Uh, also, you have a special page. If you go to Dr. Carol Ministries slash hormones. There is some more information there um, on this conversation. And D.R. Carroll, like not doctor, don't spell out doctor, right? Correct. D-R-C-A-R-O-L ministries.com. Yep. I love it. Okay. And we like to ask these final questions. They're just fun questions. We want to know your favorite way to move your body. What What does Dr. Carroll do to live in good body health? Before the sun gets up, I live in Texas, it's hot here. So before the sun gets up, I get dressed almost every day and spend about 30 minutes running, walking outside. Mm -hmm. And then I also have some arm weights 
And when I got about 55, I didn't like the way my arms looked. I hadn't done weight training before that, but for the last several years, I've been doing some arm exercises with my arm weights. The strength training, and we didn't even hit on that a little bit. I think right now we're exactly. in, a, in a strength training program, our community is, but the fact that uh, that when we strength train, that insulin resistance goes down, like our bodies start to hold on to all those good chemicals throughout the day because it's now in the muscle tissue. So strength training has such great lasting benefits rather than, you know, when we go for a walk, yes, we still re reap benefits afterwards, but when it's in your tissues of your muscles, uh, such benefit that goes even longer, I guess you could say, and it's low impact, which is always nice. Yep. Love it. Awesome. Okay. And now people are going to want to know what's your favorite active wear to wear when you move your body. Mm. Oh, um, I particularly wasn't prepared for that. I know. I have to say, I don't invest a lot of money. Um, I tend to, um, when I'm outside, I just, I just wear some either old jeans or leggings and Uh a comfortable cotton shirt. Um, I do pay a lot of attention to my shoes. And yeah. so um, I have some uh, blocking on the uh, on the on the brand right now, but some of the shoes that are are really loose, and I mm-hmm. wear orthotics, so mm-hmm. those those are in my running shoes, and mm-hmm. that is something I invest in. That's good. Yeah, if you are gonna invest in anything, you're absolutely right. a good pair of shoes because from the foundation, the foot up, the body responds. So yep. good. All right. Well, Dr. Carol, thank you for blessing us with your your knowledge and your clarity and crystallization of what you've learned through the years. We're super blessed and we will uh, be talking to you again as we have this conversation some more. We'd love to have you back. Thank you, Alyssa. I'm honored to be here with Revelation Wellness for this episode and many, many blessings to you on your work and to all the people that connect with you. Thank you. Hey, thanks so much for listening today. It's not too late to join our brand new program, Get Strong. Just swipe up on the show notes for more information about that. And if you would leave us a rating and a review, we would absolutely love it. Also share this episode with a friend if it touched you in some way. And don't forget to leave us a message on SpeakPipe. We listen to everyone and we are so grateful to hear from you. Until next time, peace.